Hey there and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's uh, crack a beer and get the ball rolling, folks. Sorry, that was a little more foamy than I was anticipating. Um, needless to say, once again, um, um, you guys spoke with what beer you wanted uh, featured tonight. Um, and we went with the Logic Bomb Juicy Pale Ale from Surly Brewing Company. Um, and right off the bat, I know we've done a decent amount. I mean, you know, all things considered, we've done, you know, a good amount of IPAs on uh, here on the podcast. And we've done a good amount of pale ales. And I got to say, one of my first reactions um, of this beer, um, like we've talked about, you know, pale ales kind of being you know the model of them being kind of kind of bittery up front i gotta say not not um very bittery um at all kind of juicy i mean hence the name juicy pale ale um but it almost tastes like excuse me like a light pale ale this doesn't This doesn't hit you with a bunch of bitters like your typical pale ale does. Um, so if you're somebody who enjoys the bitterness of the pale ales, um, probably not going to be your favorite beer. Um, it is a 5.5% uh, APB. Um, for those that don't remember, uh, in the pulp, it is by it is made by Surly Brewing Company. Um, also looking into my mini weekend history on this. I know Surly is one of the top uh, two or three breweries that we've featured on this podcast. Just a fun fact. Um, but man, if wow, if you if you don't like super bittery pale ales, this is for you. I would go out of my way. Um, don't. I'm not over the top about it, just because like we've talked about in the past. Um, just in general, I tend to not gravitate too much towards pale ales. Um, I would get this again, though. I would get this again. Um, I like it very smooth. Um, what, what is that? Is that? kind of like a dark aftertaste or something like that um i do really like this i do really like this like i said um not crazy over the top about it just because like we've talked about not crazy into pale ales myself but as far as pale ales are concerned this is probably one of the better or best ones i have had um it's pretty it's pretty um juicy it's flavorful i can't really stick my tongue on it it's not citrusy it's not um maybe it's a little orange at the end there i like it though i'm gonna go ahead and say beer's concerned uh let's go seven three um but definitely has to be um i'll have to go back and check all the ratings 7.3 for the uh, Juicy Pale Ale a Logic Bomb by Sur Surly Brewing Company. Um, this has to be 
um, my favorite pale ale I have had um, in recent history. Um, go check them. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you guys definitely got to go check them out. Surly Brewing Company. They're on, uh, what is that, Malcolm Avenue Southeast in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They're still over kind of in that, um, that kind of like the warehouse district. They're west off of uh, 280 um, and uh, north of University Avenue. Uh, a couple blocks or two. They're kind of by that uh, Malcolm Yards and the O'Shaughnessy Distilling um, Company. So go check them out. Um, for those that are interested, they're closed Mondays, uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. They're open 3 to 9. Fridays and Saturdays, 3 to 11, and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, and you can check them out on their website. It's just uh, surlybrewing.com. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, despite them being um, one of the few breweries that we've shouted out, you know, on numerous occasions uh, with just on just here for the beer here, um, they do have a lot of um, new things uh, for you beer fans out there, um, you know, first and foremost, go on the website, surlybrewing.com. Like I mentioned, they have a Supreme variety pack, um, and a Supreme tropical mix pack. Um, I can say I have had a couple of the, uh, flavors from the Supreme variety pack and can, and can attest, uh, they are very tasty. Uh, the tropical mix pack, um, I have not, I've gotten a chance to get them uh, yet. So if you've had them, let me know if they're worth it or not and which ones I should be um, uh, taking on. Uh, but I urge you, um, for those beer lovers, go check out uh, their website um, to just find out some more stuff about them. But they also, Surly, I have to say, um, as one of the few breweries that I have gone to on numerous occasions, um in the Twin Cities area, they always have stuff going on. Yes, this has to do with how big they are, but uh, they got a 5K beer run coming up. Um, they always have some live music. Um, they have, you know, a Keystone backpacking packing event, uh, Surly Cinema, School of Rock, um, you know, a lot of cool stuff, um, whether it's in the fall, whether it's still kind of the summer. So go check them out. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and on Twitter as well. So, um, yeah. Now, before we get into uh, Tommy Town, did want to um, let um, my football fans know, for those that are interested, we're still doing the 2022 Pick'em Challenge. Uh, and for those that are interested, all you need to do, whether you are on your phone or your tablet, go to the ESPN Fantasy app. You want to click on the games bubble at the top of the app. Excuse me. Click on the uh, blue pigskin pick'em icon. Can't miss it. Uh, then there's going to be three options. You just want to click standard. Once you get to the screen where it says make picks, you want to select uh, group. Uh, under search groups, you want to put in mini weekend, M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D. And uh, if you put the whole thing in, It'll be the only one that comes up. It's Mini Weekend Group. Uh, we are actually getting a decent amount of traction on it. So I urge you guys, like I said, the more people we get in this group, uh, the more people we're going to pay out with prizes uh, for winners and all that fun stuff. So 
go check that out. Um, and now for the Tommy Town, you know, we don't have a ton of um, we don't have a ton of uh, news on our winter sports, but um, you know, weirdly enough, we're not getting too far away from uh, from the um college hockey season. We're only a mere you know, a month and a half away from both of them, 38 days exactly until we get to our women's hockey uh, season. Um, as they, like we mentioned before, will kick off uh, the year with an exhibition game against Man- the University of Manitoba Toba Bison uh, on the 25th and um, 44 days exactly until the men uh, kick off their second Division One hockey season. Uh, against the same opponent last year, St. Cloud State of all teams. Uh, we do have a little bit of news um, on the women's hockey front. It was announced just yesterday um, that Tommy women's hockey players uh, Saskia Maurer and Nicole Valerio are among 23 players that were selected for the Swiss national team for the upcoming world tournament in Denmark. The 10-team event is running from August 25th to September 4th. The Swiss will play Japan on August 26th, Canada on the 27th, and the United States on the 29th, and will face Finland on August 30th. And then the quarterfinals, depending on how they do amongst all four of them, will start on September 1st. Uh, For those that do not remember, Maurer is a goalie and Valerio is a defender um, who are... Uh, rising sophomores for the St. Thomas Tommy team uh, while representing Switzerland in the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. The pair were part of also a fourth place team finish, just one spot out of a medal status. Um, So congratulations to both of them on getting um, selected for the team and best of luck to them as well. Um, You know, once again, you know, not a ton of, you know, news, um, as far as, you know, like we said, Tommy Town is considered uh, the volleyball team. Um, eight, exactly eight days from now, we'll be kicking off their season um, in Bozeman, Montana, as they uh, will open up the season with the Bobcat Classic. They will take on Grand Canyon and San Francisco on the 26th, and then Montana State on the 27th. So getting geared up for that, I uh, can't wait to uh, get into them, and uh, that should be um, fun, and then for those football fans, we're um, what's that? I mean, five, you know, an additional six, no, five days after that until uh, they get going. So uh, that is what we have for the Tommy Town um, today. For our local business shout out, um, you guys know how much I love shouting out our local businesses here. I even love it more when I'm able to actually go to these places and stuff like that. So for those um, that peeped and checked out our story this last weekend, um, this one is the Minnesota Game Fair. What is the Game Fair, you ask? Well, since 1982, it's America's original sport and outdoor show in Minnesota. It's the finest hunting event. The Game Fair features everything from duck boats, archery, decoys, art, dog events, and so much more. Um, It is unfortunately only um, active and running for two weekends in August. Um, It ran uh, last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then tomorrow, this Saturday, and this Sunday. 
from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So I urge you guys, if you have any interest, um, and like I said, archery, there's dog events, there's kids events, um, there's shooting events, uh, shooting games, there's food. Um, for those that are interested, it's four and a half miles west of Anoka, specifically in uh, Ramsey, Minnesota, and it's actually held at the Armstrong Ranch Kennels. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, for those that are interested, um, feel free to bring your dogs. They have so many dogs there. They have so many events for your dogs. Uh, it's honestly, um, as somebody who didn't grow up with dogs but does still have a dog, it's so cool to see the uh, all of the different dogs that are out there. Um, you know, so cool to see them kind of interacting with each other. So cool to kind of see them doing these events and you can actually win prizes doing them as well. Um, so like I said, go check them out. Um, their website is just gamefair.com. Um, I believe, um, you can check them out on, they have a Facebook page and I believe you can check them out on Instagram as well. But yeah, like I said, gamefair.com, unfortunately it's the last weekend. Um, it only does it two weekends, so go check it out either tomorrow, Saturday, or Sunday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, so for our um, beloved Minnesota Twins, um, you know, despite kind of dropping the ball um, at uh, in the end of their trip in Los Angeles, taking on uh, the Angels, who, you know, are a fine team by, you know, standards, uh, Otani is, you know, a beast. Um, and I think they're just a couple key guys in getting some pieces in place away from being, you know, another Dodgers, unfortunately. Um, you know, kind of dropped the ball against the Angels there. But, um, hey, you know, they capitalized these last three days against uh, hosting the Royals, uh, sweeping them um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, all uh, Joe Ryan... Um, Sonny Gray and Emilio Pagan all picked up um, wins on Monday. We were fortunate enough to see uh, Joe Ryan pitch a little over five innings, um, strike out uh, six, only giving up two earned runs and two walks uh, that also, um, excuse me, uh, featured RBIs from Miranda, Polanco, Kepler, and Sanchez. Well, on Tuesday and Wednesday, we shut them out by a combined score of 13 to nothing. Um, on Tuesday, uh, 9 nothing um, was headlined by Sunny Gray. Six innings pitched with 10 strikeouts and one walk. And then just yesterday on Wednesday, uh, 4 nothing, uh, Emilio Pagan uh, picked up the win. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, Miranda homered. Um, <clears throat> Gordon uh, hit an RBI double. And, um, crap, uh, what was it? Uh, Pagan, uh, Pagan didn't strike out. Um, oh, that's right. This was the game. He didn't strike anybody out. But, uh, Male, um, our new, uh, starting pitcher, left the game early with suspected, um, injury. Thankfully, uh, I just saw he's avoiding the injury, uh, list as, uh, the MRI came back that there's no structural damage. Thank goodness. Uh, but it could be a while until we see him. Uh, back in action, which, you know, is fine. Um, but for the most part, uh, what I wanted to talk today, I actually got a question uh, from uh, a fan. Um, Megan asked, Jack, who is 
uh, the Twins 2022 Rookie of the Year. And um, I'm really glad you asked me this, Megan, because I actually had to do some digging into it, and it turns out um, it turns out that there are a couple of outstanding um, outstanding uh, you know people viable for this, and I didn't realize that some of these guys uh, were uh, rookies. So without further ado. Um, Three guys that I think kind of jump out to me. Um, you look back on opening day, and the Twins rostered a rookie starter in Joe Ryan and allowed him to take the ball on the mound. Um, surprisingly, that same day, the bullpen also included a rookie prospect, Johan Duran, who has been kind of shaky but has, within the last month or so, kind of hit in his stride. Um he wasn't really expected, if I remember correctly, to crack the big league club, but you know he's, you know he's still managing. And then there's Jose Miranda, who spent a month in St. Paul before getting to the majors, and making it stick. And I gotta say, I appreciate the question, Megan, because I didn't realize about all three of these guys being rookies. Um, but uh, but let's look at uh, all three of their uh, their resumes right now. So. Right now, like I said, Baldelli turned to Ryan on opening day um, in just a five, um, just a five start uh, debut in 2021. Ryan kind of looked uh, part of a very good pitcher, but Sonny Gray um, had been acquired to be kind of the ace of the staff, if I remember correctly. Um, but. Anyways, through um, his first 19 starts of the season, Ryan owns a 3.92 ERA across 101 innings, despite not throwing with much velocity. Um, he's just striking out, uh, is just striking under wait, a batter per inning. Uh, he's been hit by the home, he's been bit by the home run, allowing 1.4 per nine innings but his walk rate remains manageable at a 2.5 walks per nine innings. Um, it's worth noting he's got an, a wicked 76-mile-per-hour curveball. Um, and he's, he's basically been a league average pitcher this season with his uh, 98 um, ERA plus, you know, tells a fair story. Um, I feel like, well, the numbers aren't a great – you know, against poor competition, they're relatively troubling against some teams. You know, we would find in October, which concerns me just a little bit. Um, but he's settling in as a true rotation piece. Um, but it's fair to call him more of a number three than anything else. So, as much as he is a rookie, I wouldn't give the nod between these three to him. Uh, and then there's Johan Duran. Um, Excuse me. Uh, across forty-three appearances for Duran, he owns a dazzling two-point-oh-nine ERA. He has a strong eleven-point-seven strikeouts per nine innings and limits his walks to just two-point-one um, walks in nine innings. Um. So, yeah. Um, like I said, um, I think originally at the beginning of the year, um. Uh, he wasn't really expected to do much if he were to make the roster, um, but he worked as a starter at AAA in, uh, last year while his arm didn't hold up for super long stretches of time. 
um, the um, you know, he's he's kind of been becoming our best lie high leverage reliever, um, and maybe among one of the better ones in that role across baseball, if I'm being honest. Um, so kind of in conclusion, wrapping up his case, you know, he doesn't need to be the traditional closer we need him to be now that we got Jorge Lopez. Uh, sure, he's got six saves on the season, uh, but his 3.1 win probability added is reflective of a guy that, you know, gets things done whenever the team needs him um, at the most dire moments. Relievers, remember, don't get a ton of love when it comes to awards on the national stage, but, uh, you know, he, he's showing he should have been an all-star this year um, and, um, and deserves, you know, rookie of the year votes, even though he probably won't actually get it. And then finally, we have Mr. Jose Miranda. After spending tri- uh, all of April in AAA, Jose Miranda made his major league debut back on May 2nd. And by May 26th, he had a 485 on um, OPS and was optioned back to St. Paul following Royce Lewis's return to health when it was determined the top prospects would need season-ending season surgery. Miranda's trip across town was turned back and has been amazing ever since. In 58 games since May the 30th, Miranda owns an 8.877 OPS while batting 331, sorry, 313 and contributing 20 extra base hits. He's launched 10 home runs and has been nothing less than a catalyst catalyst in many ways for this team in key spots. He has shown a knack to produce with runners in scoring position and he's consistently been giving opportunities to bat in the top four or five lineup spots that I've been seeing. Um, so that brings me to my answer for you, Megan. So um, you asked about Rookie of the Year for the Twins. Um, you know, for those that are interested, I don't believe any of these guys have what it takes to really win Rookie of the Year. They're doing great things for the Twins. Um but I feel like there are other rookies out there that are doing more for their team. So as much as I believe Duran and Miranda should be getting some votes, neither of them are going to win Rookie of the Year. But Megan, my 2022 Twins Rookie of the Year has to go to Miranda. Um, I think it goes without saying since the beginning of the year. I have been big on this team about this pitching is going to take us um, we're going to go as far as pitching takes us. Now, with that said, um, pitching is a collective team effort, just like you know hitting the baseball is. Um, but when I look at um, you know pitching versus you know a batting, if you have a bat as hot um, as Miranda's, I think that is just a little more important because of the beefed up bullpen we have now. So I would have to give it to uh, Miranda, and um, yeah, I I got Miranda winning my Rookie of the Year for the Minnesota Twins this year. Now, um, for some more exciting news, I, gosh, uh, I 
can't remember if I was going to bed and I saw this come through on my phone Tuesday night or if I woke up to the news Wednesday morning. But the 2022-2023 season, uh, NBA season schedules have been um, released. People, um, super, super excited. Uh, the season will open up uh, by the Golden State Warriors um, hosting, excuse me, uh, the banner um, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers with Boston also playing uh, Philadelphia. Um, but more so on our wonderful Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, not only did their schedule get released, but they have 16 games, 16 games that are going to be nationally televised. Um, what is it? Uh, six will be on ESPN. Four will be on NBA on TNT. And six will be on NBA uh, TV. Um, we'll go through the NBA TV ones first because it looks like that will come up first. So on October 30th uh, on NBA TV, these next six games will be on NBA TV. October 30th in San Antonio. December 30th in Boston. March 26th. Um, excuse me. Um in Golden State. Sorry, I'm reading these in the wrong direction. And then November 19th in Philadelphia, uh, January 27th versus Memphis, and March 31st versus LA. Um, and then NBA on TNT, November 1st, they will be in Phoenix. Uh, and then February 7th, they will be in Denver. February 28th, they will be at the Clippers. And March 7th, they will host the Sixers. Uh, and then for ESPN, uh, November 4th, uh, hosting Milwaukee. Uh, November 11th in Memphis. December 14th at the Clippers. January 18th in Denver. February 26th in Golden State. And March 29th in uh, Phoenix. Um, and I got to say, as I was reading through these games, I think a lot of the reasoning, and not, not as a bad reason, but I think a lot of the reason for this is because a lot of the home games are always on Bally Sports. I think away games are sometimes on Bally Sports, but um, most of them are away, and I think, you know, rightfully so. So, super excited for the Timberwolves getting uh, 16 games um, in primetime. I'm a little, little surprised not one single one of them. We will be playing Utah, as that will be, you know, a big game for um, our newest acquisition, our Rudy Gobert. But, you know, the NBA plays an 82-game uh, schedule, so we're not going to go through the entire schedule. But I got to just drop this on you guys. Um, this is the Timberwolves' first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-game schedule, okay? They're in Oklahoma City on October, 20, on, uh, October 19th. They host Utah on the 21st. They go to Oklahoma City on the 23rd of October. Then on the 24th and 26th, they host the Spurs both times. They host the Lakers on the 28th. And then on the 30th, they, um, they will be in San Antonio. They're 
I mean, this team could very easily go seven and zero to start the season. Um, you know, even their next three games to you know finish out the first you know ten games, they go to Phoenix, which will be tough. Phoenix is a good team. They'll host Milwaukee, who again Milwaukee is a tough team, and then they'll host Houston. So this team could very well be, you know, seven, eight, and three in their first 10, 10 11 games. Um, you know, and I know in professional sports we talk a lot about you know getting hot at the right time, um, and you know coming coming into the postseason. And as important as that is, it's also important to get that confidence up and win at the beginning so that getting making sure you're healthy and hitting your strides later on in the season is what you're focused on rather than shit we need games because we're you know ninth or eighth place and this is not where we want to be um so yeah i i think gosh you know getting so excited for the mb or for the nfl season um i kind of forget the the basketball season kind of fell by the wayside um and um when this got released got me super excited i mean because you know what you know a month and a half after nfl starts the you know the nba and the nhl will also be in full force to full force too and you know football if you if anybody knows anything about me football basketball and hockey great great time to be a sports fan (laughs) um so yeah, that's what we got for the Timberwolves. And then for my WNBA fans out there, um, long-time um, Minnesota Lynx uh, center and just WNBA center, Sylvia Fowles will be, um, will, or sorry, has already played her last game. Uh, we last spoke when uh, the Lynx were in the seventh spot with two games to play. They unfortunately lost their last two games, controlled their destiny, and are out of the playoffs. The playoffs have already started. Um, for them, it is worth noting, Sylvie, the future Hall of Famer, spent her first seven seasons in Chicago and followed that up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons Um in Minnesota, excuse me, uh, Sylvia Fowles, the center um, for the Timberwolves, uh, is retiring, averaging, gosh, where, oh, sorry, averaging 15.7 points per game, 9.8 rebounds per game, a little over assists per game, a little, uh, just under two blocks a game and just over a steal a game. Um, you know, my my hats off to her. Uh, she got she got uh, drafted in the first round, second pick overall by Chicago back in two thousand eight. Has had nothing but a stellar career. Um, she's won, I believe. Let me double check. Um, she won two. Two. Um, Two championships with us, so cannot thank her uh, enough for everything she's done for this uh, franchise. I know there was a video that came out yesterday, or that the links posted uh, of all the players thanking her. So um, you know she will be missed. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the links do going forward. They obviously have a lot of young talent, 
um, on this uh, Lynx team. Um, you know, when I talk about, you know, young talent, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at uh, girls like, um, gosh, why, why isn't I thinking that? What is that? Like Jessica Shepard, um, Ariel Powers, Kayla McBride, Mariah Jefferson, um, and a special Rachel Van Ham. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do kind of going forward here. But um, super, super excited, um, you know, to see Sylvia Fowles going to the Hall of Fame uh, for the WNBA. Um, and just kind of sad that we weren't able to get back into the playoffs and hopefully get her another championship. But you will be missed. And uh, thank you for everything, uh, Sylvia. Uh, now on to our last topic of the night and uh, Jason actually asked me we're gonna start with this so Jason wanted to know um, he actually asked this I I, I thank him uh, for this a little bit before um, I was out of the office if you will um, and then came back and I'm now doing the podcast what is your thoughts on Deshaun Watson's 11 game suspension Um so, for those that don't know, before I answer your question, Jason, uh, uh, earlier uh, today, um, the NFLPA and the NFL um, agreed on a 11-game suspension and a $5 million um, fine to Deshaun Watson, and I think it is complete and utter bullshit. It's blasphemous. The NFL should be ashamed of themselves. Um, I think is the most ridiculous thing in the world. One of the first things that comes to my mind when I heard this was, you mean to tell me that you're a league that wants to set the precedent where players look at this and say, okay, I'm better off gambling during the season, whether it's on my games or whether it's on other NFL games, I'm better off abusing women than betting on games. I'm better off abusing up to 25 women. Now, this is not Jack Cashman coming on here accusing and saying Deshaun Watson is guilty of all these things. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm not saying he's innocent. I understand he's innocent until proven guilty, but... 26, 28 women don't just accidentally crawl out of the woodworks. Something happened, whether it was consensual, whether it wasn't. I just think, I think it's insane. Um, uh, a colleague of mine or a friend of mine asked me tonight, uh, in addition to this, um, uh, do you uh, do I think he should have been suspended indefinitely? And that's where I struggle. You know, I, I've had a couple other people ask me, what do you think is appropriate? And that's a good question. I haven't really thought much about that, but I will say I think he's deserving of at least a one-year suspension. I think, like I said, the NFL owns, you know, one... <clears throat> one day of the week as soon as the season starts and two and you know three nights of the week um and i think for them to for them to look at every scenario as different is just stupid they they really screwed the pooch on this now there are some people 
that are led to believe the NFL did this on purpose. Um, the first, um, the first, his first game back will be in week 13 in Houston. So there's some mumblings that, oh, you know, we want, you know, ratings and stuff like that. Like, what? Like, why? This Hall of Fame first preseason game had more viewers than the average viewer, the average game in the NHL playoffs. Like, the NFL is superior. I don't know why they feel the need to do this, but, I mean, they're fucking doing it. Um, But... Yeah, so lo and hold of it, Jason. I think it's a disgrace. I think the NFL should be ashamed of themselves. Um, I think the NFL with the NFL players, um, uh, NFLPA need to come together and make a guideline for this kind of thing. You know, you gotta you gotta look at it as okay. You know, physical like assault. And physical abuse and stuff like this needs to be at the high end of the totem pole, which is grounds for, you know, at least a year, at least a year and a half to indefinitely all the way down to, you know, PEDs and it's, you know, three game suspension, four game suspension, whatever it is. But there needs to be some kind of a guideline because I think it is completely and utter bullshit that each scenario is looked at differently because I feel like the NFL looks at these situations Based off of who is the guy, I feel like if, you know, instead of this being Deshaun Watson, I feel like you throw, I don't know, um, throw Josh Rosen into this or Jacoby Brissett, and they probably have no problem in suspending him indefinitely because it's somebody that doesn't do a whole lot, you know, they're not a household name like Deshaun Watson is, but because it's Deshaun Watson, they feel the need to oh, you know, we have to protect him. We need to keep him in, you know. He helps us make money. I just think it's stupid. It's bullshit. The NFL has got to get this um <clears throat> under wraps and figure this shit out. Anyways, we are not going to get off on the podcast. This <laughs> worked up so we are going to talk uh, Minnesota Vikings as we get closer to the season here um, uh, before we log off. So I think uh, one of the first things I thought we'd talk about is kind of some some of my takeaways. I didn't watch the Raiders um, preseason game live. Sorry, correction. I didn't watch the entire thing live. I watched a little bit of it live. Um. Watch a little bit of it live, and uh, I watched the entire thing kind of like on a replay. Um, and here are some of my takeaways that I uh, wrote down um, from this game. So I think number one, uh, the biggest takeaway for me was Kellen Mond, um, I think, is one step closer to winning uh, the backup position behind Kirk Cousins. Um. I'll be completely honest, as much as I don't like uh, Sean Mannion, coming into this game, the competition seemed very even between the two uh, potential backup quarterbacks, uh, especially since Kirk was out due to you know COVID-19. Um, but both quarterbacks, I believe, got some good opportunities to show off their skills. Although Mannion had really one really nice drive, as much as it pains me to admit, in the second quarter that resulted in a Greg Joseph field goal, I really do honestly 
unbiasedly feel like he was outplayed by the young quarterback and definitely made the case that he should be the team's backup. Mond had a shaky start, I'll admit, to the game, but ended the game with solid stats. He had connected on <coughs> 9 of 14 passes for 119 yards, while well, two touchdowns, and earned a rating of 130.7, while Mannion completed 8 of 12 attempts for 79 yards. Um, so I think that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Um, the second thing I noticed was I think the, this running back depth is deep. I'm hearing the Vikings, including Delvin Smith, are only going to or Delvin Smith, Delvin Cook, are only wanting to hold on to three running backs on the roster. And I think they're going to after this first game, unless something drastically happens, I think they're going to want to hold on to four. Obviously, Delvin Cook sat out of this game, uh, but there's still plenty of reasons to be excited uh, around this team. Um, unfortunately, and Alexander Matheson was uh, the least of these reasons since he only had three carries for eight yards. Um, but the real reason I was so excited was the combination of Ty Chandler and Kenny Nwangu. Um, that running back duo showed great ability to follow their blockers they made good decisions to hit uh, the hole uh, they were explosive they were fast they made guys miss um, Chandler actually led the way gaining 50 yards on five carries Nuangu was not far behind with 41 yards on seven rushing attempts and added two catches for 18 yards um, so with that said that I mean those two uh, combined for 109 of the team's 298 total offensive yards um, I think it's very impressive. I think it's very impressive. And I think if this duo can keep up, keep proving their worth, uh, they will force the Minnesota Vikings to keep four running backs instead of the three um, on the 53-man roster. Unless, of course, the team decides to do something with Madison, which I can't see um, them doing. Um, the defense looked a little sloppy to me. That was the third thing that stood out to me. Um, I'm not going to get into depth on this one just because, you know, I kind of expected it. You know, there were some penalties. You know, a lot of these guys haven't played together yet. Um, so I, I didn't think it was going to um, look great. But as a unit, the, the next thing that stood out to me was I thought our defensive line out of all of the parts of the defense looked um, very, very strong. Establishing this new 3-4 uh, front, um, having big bodies that can get after the quarterback as well as clog up holes in the run game will make or break this unit as a whole. I think it's going to make it. Um, this group was headlined by Harrison Phillips, who had three tackles and a sack as a starting nose tackle. Uh, Armin Watts had a sack during the game. Jalen Twyman added three tackles. Um... And then T.Y. McGill racked up two sacks on the on the day, and I thought it looked pretty impressive um, while getting after the quarterback. So I was very, very impressed with the defensive line. Everybody else, not so much. Um, and then the last thing I noticed was, I think, trimming the wide receivers on this roster for KOC, and um, those boys are going to be very very um, tough. The Minnesota Vikings are going to have a ton of talent in that group, and someone with some skills will probably, unfortunately, on the outside looking in. Who it is, I do not know. 
Um, of course, <clears throat> the duo of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they're going to be making the team. KJ Osborne should be considered locks to should also be a lock to make the roster as well. Past that, Amir Smith Marset seems to be in line for one of those spots as well. If the Vikings only keep five receivers, that means only one more can make it. Um, BC Johnson got shut out this game, but rookie Jason Naylor, uh, special teams ace Danny Chisenta, veteran Albert Wilson, Tristan Jackson, and Marvin Mitchell all had over 20 receiving yards in the game. Uh, the biggest surprise for me was how Kellen Mond connected with Albert Wilson for two touchdowns during this game. I just think this is a very talented group of players. You got guys that are, you got certain guys that are just fast. You got certain guys that maybe aren't super fast, but they're great at create, creating separation. Um, I just, yeah, I think um, KOC and um, and uh, KOIC are going to have their hands full trying to um, trying to cut down this wide receiver uh, group. And lastly, I told you guys I was going to hit you with this this week. So without further ado, my bold predictions for this season, excuse me, um, for the Vikings this season are as follows. We're going with three again. We're going to start off with uh, def the defensive side. I know I did something around him last year. It didn't go well, but I truly believe this year, Daniil Hunter is going to set a career high in sacks. Last year was definitely one to forget, like I mentioned. Um, but the Vikings gave him gave him a prove me contract. He only had six sacks last year, matching his career low. However, he played in a career low seven games. The previous two years were much better for him. He had fourteen point five sacks both years, playing in all thirty two games. Furthermore, he finished top five in 2019 and 2020 in sacks. But the most important thing to me for Daniel Hunter, the Vikings signed Zadarius Smith uh, after the Packers released him. While Smith missed most of the 2021 season with a back injury, the veteran is ready to get revenge on the Packers. Harrison Smith is great at getting uh, ready at the quarterback. Uh, our linebackers um i just i think this defense is going to feast this year um and with that i think daniel hunter gets at least 15 sacks um my second prediction um on the offensive side of things justin jefferson is going to lead the nfl in receiving yards yes you heard that right um in fact, he would have led the league in receiving yards if not for Cooper Cup's historic season last year. Cup had just under 2,000 yard receiving yards, while Jefferson was um, a little more than 300 yards less than him. Jefferson actually had 63 more receiving yards than Adams and 101 more than Jamar Chase. But his performance these last two years have just been very impressive. I expect him to take another big step improving one of, um, you know, nobody can sleep on him. Um, and my last one, it's going to seem like another, it's going to seem like another uh, offensive one, but this is kind of my team one I'm going off of. Between rushing and receiving, I think Dalvin Cook has over 17 total touchdowns this season. He's a beast. 
I think there's been some Minnesota rumblings of should we keep him? Do we trade him while his stock is high? I think he's going to have a season under KOC's uh, Kevin O'Connell's uh, um, offense to say, hey, you know, I'm the deal. Like, let's run this back. Let's keep this going for a little while and um, go from there. So that is what I have for you guys this week. Uh, once again, just want to give you guys a reminder to check out and sign up for the uh, for the uh, 2022 um, mini weekend pickums uh, ESPN fantasy app. Um, click on the pickums, uh, look up mini weekend under the groups, sign up and get going. You can actually make picks. I think um, I'm starting making some picks for this week and first week and even week two. And I'll adjust them as I go. So go check that out. So I, with that, I want to remind you guys, this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or by emailing us. <clears throat> Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram handles are at miniweekend. And email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com and be sure to let us know if you'd like to stay anonymous with your questions as well also find us and give us a follow on instagram and twitter where there are giveaways and you can stay up to date on all things mini weekend and lastly make sure you hit that subscribe button to get notified of the new episode as soon as it comes out until next time mini